now, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are in Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, and he hands over the kingdom of God, the kingdom to the God and Father, which he has abolished all rule and all authority and all power. For he must reign until he puts, has put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted, expected to put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. We are going to look at verse 23. Verse 23. Last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Redeemer in verses 20 through 21. And we have seen that he is the first fruits. And that is Levitical teaching that says that the first fruits of your harvest would be given unto God because of your love for God, your trust in God, and your trust would be manifest in the fact that you would give him your first fruits, expecting the rest of your crop to grow. If you ever go to the land of Israel, you'll see that it's not one of the most fertile and glorious places in the world. And so what they would do to plant their crops is that they would plant them in sections, what I call progressive planting, so that you would have first fruits, but all during the year, the growing season, you would have crops coming in because you never knew when the locusts were going to come. You never knew when there would be a drought. You never knew when there would be hail or, believe it or not, even snow in Jerusalem, okay? And you never knew when that was going to happen. And so you grew your crops in a cycle so that you basically thought you could have it all at one time. And the Jews had it in their mindset, we trust God our Father so much that my first harvest, though it's right in hand and I should be storing it just in case, we trust Him that we'll give Him that. And that shows our love. And Jesus Christ is called the first fruits. Okay? He is the guarantor of the harvest. Okay? Guarantor of the harvest. And then the argument would come, well, okay, I believe that Christ rose, but I don't think it has anything to do with us. And he says, but wait, as sin came through one man and all die, salvation, life has come through one man. One man doing one act at one time brought death. One man doing one act at one time brought life. That is the guarantee. It's almost, you could almost take it and say, you know what? The first fruits of death was who? Adam. The first fruits of life is Christ. Now listen, people will try to spiritualize this text, and I understand what they're just talking about. They're talking about a spiritual life and a bodily life and all. The text is speaking of a bodily, literal resurrection. You've got to keep that in mind. Okay? Is there spiritual? Absolutely. Just as when Adam took of the fruit and thought he could hide from God, he became spiritually dead. Death instantaneously hit Adam. Okay? Physical death came a little later. As a Christian, those who are in Christ immediately have spiritual life. But you have physical life too. And you have it abundantly, John says. Okay? 
So, listen, this is fascinating stuff. I, I, I just can't explain to you. Paul is tracing the impact of resurrection. Okay, we have a holiday. We, we celebrate Easter. And we get a basket and we get chocolate and for some reason we color eggs and, and things like that. And, and that is our Easter. Um, some people get up real early in the morning so they can go to a sunrise service or something to that effect. I've learned that in Colorado that's a bad move because it's still early enough in the year you're probably going to freeze your keister off and you could get snowed on or some kind of weird thing like that. And um, just doesn't sound that fascinating to me. Um, no, I have not taken part in a sunrise service. Sorry. No, I have not led a sunrise service. No. <laughs> anyway. But I want you to think about it for a second because now he's looking to the future. The first fruits are being Christ. Okay? That's guaranteed. That's happened. All right? That is the guarantee of the harvest. Now, being that Christ did it, now every man in Christ... Okay, listen, I've watched people try to get universalism out of verse 22, as in all, or as in Adam, all died in Christ, all live. Okay, and see, as death became through the one man and all died, then death or life in Christ, all live. That is not it, because you're missing the, the impact there is that it's in that person. If I am following that person, doing the deeds of that person, then I am in that person. Okay. I'm overwhelmed by the presence of that person. I am ruled by that person, if you want to look at it from that perspective. All right? All is those in Christ. Okay, but I want you to see something here. Look what he says. Verse 23. It's a fascinating phrase. But each in his own order. Each in his own order. Okay. Again, you've got to keep 22 in it. Okay. Because 22 says those in Christ. And yet there is an order to it. Okay. There's a plan for it. But then he says. First fruits. And after that. Okay. After that. Is what is called in the Greek language. An unresolved time gap. <laughs> Okay, after that. When is after that? After the first fruits. So sometime after Christ's resurrection, but it will be in its order. Got it? All right. And, and I mean, you know, people say, well, when is that? Will it be at its coming? It says it right there. But it's still going to be in order. All right, so let's, let's try to keep this together. We have Christ rose from the dead, first fruits, guaranteeing what? We'll all say harvest. It's a harvest. No, 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 no. It is a bodily resurrection. Okay, that freaks me out. I've seen people dead. I've never seen anybody raised. But I know that in each one's order there's going to be a bodily resurrection. All right? When he rose out of the grave, he guaranteed that a time after that, they that are Christ would be raised. They would come out of the grave. Okay? 
And the big question is, when's that going to happen? Easy, it's that it's coming. I don't see what's so hard about that. Well, when's it going to happen? Okay, now let me show you something here, and this is fascinating, and you need to pay attention to this. Okay, at his coming, okay, the word coming there in the original language is parousia. Okay, you know, everyone in this room knows the other word that's associated with parousia. Okay, all right, parousia means presence, okay, in his presence or the arrival of his presence. But here's the difference about parousia. There's another word that means presence or in his presence, okay? Parousia means I'm anticipating his presence. There's another word that says in his presence, but I am not expecting it. That word would be the word apocalyptos, okay? That's the word that you know as revelations. The apocalypse of John is that last book of the Bible. It's in his presence, but it really wasn't anticipated. Okay? One has a cataclysmic event to it. Why? I am shocked. The other one was, I'm not shocked. I was expecting this. And in some cases, we long for it. Okay? When he arrives... Okay, you've got to understand something. When he arrives, where are the bodies? They're in the grave. They're in the grave. Then how do they get into his presence? Okay, that is what I'm talking about. When you read this text and you see it in its its right order, then what are you talking about? I'm talking about a bodily resurrection that comes out of the grave and is in his presence. All right? There's coming a resurrection and it is tied to the resurrection of Christ. He opened it. Death is, just as death is tied to Adam... The resurrection is tied to Christ. Now, let's be realistic. Death is tied to Adam. Can anybody argue that? I have never seen anybody get out of this thing alive. Okay, it is obvious that in Adam, all die. All right? As in Christ, all shall live. Listen, I've been to his tomb. He ain't there. And if he was there, if we had a carcass and we had a package of bones or we had anything, we would have a temple around it. Because I've been to Israel. They've got a monument or a church or something anywhere anything happened. I mean, they've got a, <laughs> my favorite in the world, the pillar of Absalom. Okay? And it celebrates the death of Absalom. And you get Jewish men taking their sons down there and they bang their heads against their kids' heads against the pillar of Absalom and said, you don't want to be like Absalom. <laughs> You're sitting there going, motivation. But that's the way the country is. The whole country's got a monument or a pillar or a church or something to everything. I mean, you've got, you've got the Church of the Transfiguration. you got the Church of the Sermon on the Mount. You, got, you name it, we got a church there anyway. Okay. But I need to show you some stuff. When we think about resurrection, what do you think about? Because most of the time, you immediately just think into... Some people shift and say, well, it's a spiritual thing. Uh, some people will say, no, it's a literal thing. Okay? But 
The question is, what does the Bible say it is? All right, and let me give you some, what the biblical scholars say. And I'm talking about different people. Luke chapter 14, verse 13. When you give a reception, this is a, this is a biblical scholar, in case you didn't tie the two together. But when you give a reception or a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous or the resurrection of the just. You give to the poor and the lame and those who cannot pay you back and the Lord will pay you back. When will he pay you back? At the resurrection of the just. That is that harvest time. That is, that is those who are in Christ. All right. So when you think about the resurrection, a bodily resurrection, the first thing you have to think about is that it is the resurrection of the righteous or the resurrection of the just. Just and righteous are the same thing. Okay. If I'm just, then I am right standing. If I am right standing, then I am just. Yes, I know it's by the blood of Jesus Christ. All right. Another text. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 20. So I want to start here. Yeah. Uh, 28. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth, those who do good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who commit evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Okay, so all of a sudden now I can say there's two resurrections. One is the just who will be resurrected to life, and the other would be the unjust to a resurrection of judgment, damnation. Okay, let me give you another one. Philippians uh, chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. Paul speaking of his own ministry that I may know know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed into his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, literal Greek phrase there that you see in verse 11 is out of resurrection. And he's using it in in the, the Greek syntax to speak of out of the grave. So that I may obtain what? The out of the grave resurrection. Out of the grave resurrection. All right, basically I look at it and it's just basically it's saying that the graves are unloaded. You know, I, I hear people saying, well, if we keep burying people in the ground, you know, we're going to run out of property. <laughs> no, you ain't. He'll empty it. Okay. Well, he's going to. The dead are coming out. The dead are coming out. So do you see what I'm trying to get at here? I have a resurrection of the just and the righteous. They're the same coin. Okay? And it is a resurrection unto life. And it is a bodily resurrection because they speak of it coming where? Out of the ground. It's coming out of the ground. Um, In the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 Speaking of those who by faith, um, verse 35 says, Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their 
not accepting their release so that they might obtain what? A better resurrection. All right, you know what that means, don't you? There's a better resurrection and then there's one that ain't so good. Revelations chapter 20, beginning at verse 6. Blessed and holy is the one who is a part of the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Okay? So I have a resurrection of justice. I have a resurrection of life. I have a out of the grave resurrection. And it's all tied up in the fact that there are two. There are two. This in Hebrews says it is a better resurrection. Why? Because the, the, the women would give up their children to die, to be tortured because they were looking for a better resurrection. They, that, what that text in Hebrews 11 is speaking about is the Old Testament saints. Okay, because that whole list, there is Old Testament people who look forward to the cross where you and I look back to the cross. So there's the first resurrection, which is the redeemed, the just, the righteous, the resurrection of life. There's a second resurrection of the unjust. Okay, so now I want to look at this, and I'm going to co- I got to cover. I'm going to cover a lot of stuff. Everybody said we already have. I'm going to cover more now because I want to talk about the four parts of the first resurrection. Remember the verse that I'm looking at, verse 23. Each one in own order. So there's an order to the resurrection. The word order there is literally a um, military term. That means lines, the, the marching lines that you see uh, in, a, in a, parade, a military parade. Anyway, first resurrection, okay? First resurrection comes in four parts, four phases, if you want to call it. Phase one, piece of cake, the first fruits, <laughs> all right? The first resurrection takes part how? By Christ, by Christ. Well, we got that. So we know he is the guarantor of a multi-layered harvest, isn't he? If he's going to use that first fruits and he says it's going to be there, the guarantee of this harvest, then we know that there is a planting of this, this, this fruit will be bearing fruit in its own order. Okay? Here we go. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The, the thought that he starts developing <clears throat> starts in verse 13. And I, I just want to lay out a phrase for you. Understand that 1 Thessalonians is the first book of the New Testament. Chronologically. Okay? It's, it's the oldest book we got. And it was written to a really cool church in Thessalonica. One of my favorite places. Never even been there. Okay. But there's something has happened in the church in Thessalonica. They got people dying. 
And they want to know what's coming back. What's amazing about the church of Thessalonica, Paul would have taken scripture to prove his point. What scripture would have Paul taken to prove his point? Has to be Old Testament. He ain't done right in the New Testament. And this is his first letter of the New Testament. Okay, so what's he going Well, what's he talking about? What happened? He's talking about the resurrection. What book would he be giving them to explain the second coming of Jesus Christ? Daniel. And you take a average Christian today and tell them you want to study Daniel and about the second coming of Christ, their eyes are going to roll back in their heads. And it is a little bit confusing. But Paul had them for about three months. And when he left there, they still had some confusion going on. And that's why he uses in verse 13, I do not want you to be uninformed. The word uninformed there means I, I'm about to tell you something that you didn't know. Okay. Then drop down. Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. What's he talking about? The bodily resurrection. Those who have died in the Lord. Now listen, get real careful about this. When a Christian dies today, where does he go? Absent from the body, present from the Lord. So what is he talking about here? That the dead will not go before those who are still alive. The bodily resurrection. All right. So the spirit of the individual who dies, who's in Christ today, is absent from this vessel and is where? Present with the Lord. But there's coming a time when Christ will put all of those souls, including those who are remaining here, in immortal bodies. And just know this. I want to say to you by the word of the Lord that those who, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. There's the phrase. When does the bodily resurrection happen? At the coming of the Lord. Will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be what? Okay, where? In the clouds. This is going to be an event that everybody's going to figure it out. I mean, there's not going to be any doubt. I mean, one day you'd be cruising down the old bolt of turnpike and the next minute you're hanging out in the clouds. And you're going to say, huh, something's happened. They're in the clouds. You're not in heaven. You're in the clouds and you're in your body. Okay, what is this? It's a church. It's easy to see. Why? Who's he talking in this letter to? To the church. And he's telling, I need to tell you something you don't understand yet. I hadn't explained it to you. What is it? We're going to be caught up into the clouds. Okay? Some of us who die before will, in the twinkling of an eye, Jesus said, will receive their bodies before I do if I'm still here. That's why, you know, that's why you see so many Christians with sunroofs. <laughs> you go up to the clouds, you don't want to go through the roof. All right? So, you, sunroof, breaking glass or breaking steel. Which one do you want to do? You know? My wife is trying to believe it. Sorry. <laughs> Pray for her. 
first fruits, part one, part two, the church. Okay, that's written specifically. Who's that to? To the church. But then I want to take you to step three, and that's Revelations 20. Revelations 20, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> this is uh, Jesus exercising his authority. In verse 2, he lay a hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years was completed. Now, I'll tell you ahead of time, if you're wondering what if I think this is an analogy, No. I do not believe there's analogy in this text. I do not believe there's analogies. I believe that the Bible is literal. Okay, when it's poetic, it's poetic. Uh, when it's literal, it's literal. The book of Revelations was not written as a Greek poem or a Hebrew poem. It was written as a historical event, and you pay attention to it. So when people ask me, is, do you believe in the millennial kingdom? Uh, yeah, I do. Why? Because it says there's going to be a thousand-year kingdom. There are some who believe that this age that we're in right now is the thousand-year kingdom, but it is just—it wasn't exactly specific. I've read the book of Daniel, and the spe- specifics of Daniel tells me that this is specific. Okay, long—that's out there. You, four bucks, you can get a Starbucks coffee. Anyway, um, anyway, he will do not seize any. Um, deceive any nations any longer until a thousand years is complete and after these things he'll be released for a short time okay then I saw the thrones and they sat on them and the judgment was given to them and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of the testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast okay now are you see who he's talking about here okay he's not talking about the church Remember Perusia? There was something I was expecting. Now I will tell you something that I had forgotten. You, I don't want you to be uninformed. I'm going to give you new insight into this. Listen, we all look around for the mark of the beast. We're all looking for the Antichrist. How secret is that? All right? So the church cannot be here. Here's another thing that happens. The people he's talking about here are those who are saved through the tribulation period. For what reason? Preaching the gospel, they are killed. So people ask me, do you believe you're going through the tribulation? No. Why? I'm not going to shut up. I'll go to the beast's house. Jesus sent me. Okay? And then I'll be dead. I, I don't understand why we struggle with this. But anyway, and, and it's like I said, I, I got seven years of looking at when's he coming and how's he doing it and all the rest of it. So I'm not going to be able to give you all the details today. I mean, unless you just don't have anything to do. But I share this with you because now you're looking at a resurrection of people who've gone through living hell. At the hands of the Antichrist, you understand that at the three and a half year mark, the restraining work of the Holy Spirit is removed and it only takes three and a half years for the world to destroy itself. That's what God is doing at this time. He maintains. So you have these. So many godly people who die and yet they will be raised. This is part three. 
for the testimony of Christ because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or the, his image and have not received the mark of their own forehead or on their hand and they had came to life and reigned with Christ when? For a thousand years. And the rest of the dead will not come out to life until the thousand years is completed. Is that really that hard to do, understand? Okay. And then... Around that same time, you have part four. Okay? And that would be the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. Okay? Now, everybody's going, well, how in the world did you get that out of there? I didn't. I didn't get it out of there. Sorry. I got it out of uh, Daniel. People struggle with the book of Daniel, and I don't really understand. Well, yeah, I do. But anyway, the book of Daniel speaks of this. Chapter 12 of the book of Daniel says this. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. See, Daniel uses a phrase that is translated saints. Okay? And so immediately when you read Daniel, you think of saints as who? The church, okay? It's not. It's not. It is Israel, okay? It's really, who is the great prince that stands over the sons of your people? Daniel. Who would Daniel's people be? Jews, okay? So you're looking at a whole different event here, all right? So the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people will arise and there will be a time of great distress such as never occurred since the nations until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book will be rescued. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake and these to an everlasting life and others to disgrace and lasting condemnation. Got it? When does that happen? Well, I think if you go to Isaiah, um, chapter 20, where do I want to go now? Just pick a place. Twenty-six, verses nineteen and twenty. Ah, my glasses are dirty. Your dead will live, their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. So do you see that I'm thinking he's talking about a bodily resurrection. What do you think? Okay. For you drew it, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn and the earth will give birth, birth to the departed spirits. Come my people, enter into the rooms, close the doors behind you, hide for a little while until the indignation runs its course. Behold, the Lord has come out of his place. Okay, the Lord has come out of his place. What does that mean? Okay, now people will sit there and you, you may be scratching your head. And, why is this? What, what are you doing here? It's easy. Every man in his own order. First fruits, Jesus Christ. We've already seen that. Second will be the wedding feast of the Lamb. Who is that? That would be the bride. Okay? All right? They will have resurrected bodies. That's what Paul's talking about when you read Thessalonians. The Thessalonian church was made up of what? Gentiles. Bulk of it. 
And he said, well, what happens to the people? Well, uh, Uncle Bob over died. What happened? Where's the resurrection? You told me he's coming back. Don't worry. The dead in Christ rise first. When? When he's in the clouds. He's going to call them into the clouds. Okay, that's going to be a trip. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be one of them. Wow. Okay, well, it is. I mean, everybody's saying, well, are you going to praise him? No, I doubt if I'll be able to say a word. <laughs> I'll be doing some kind of... <gasps> I used to be afraid of heights. But anyway, <laughs> every man in his own order. The word order sequence is, is togma. It's a military lines and it literally means it's a progression now think about it he used first fruits last week speaking of the redeemer now he's speaking of the redeemed and the redeemed will follow a line they will be in their order and why if you're really honest with yourself are we not just planted differently we are in the church age do we realize how blessed we are listen there's people who get saved during the tribulations it is not going to be a good time Okay, you won't be running into any mega churches. So that's the first resurrection. That's the context. Okay, the just, you know, just like Daniel said, the just and many. Okay, the just has already been raised. Then there will be many more added to it. Some will not make it, but there'll be a resurrection because that brings me to... um, See if I can try to. This, I mean, I'm trying to cover a whole bunch of stuff. I wanted you to see what the resurrection looked like from biblical theologians, the guys who wrote the New Testament. Okay, but then I can show you that it was something that they were all looking to. Christ is already raised. Phase one. Phase two, we call it the rapture. And the reason is, is that they call it, it's based on a Latin term. It ain't got nothing to do with that. It, it's, in the New, New American Standard, it's translated the catching up. And it literally means to seize by force. Okay? They will be seized by force. Who? Those who are still here. Why? Because I've got this event thing happening in the clouds. Okay? And I mean, the rapture is literally the Latin word that they get raped from. And, but it, I, that just sounds awful. Okay? I like catching up. You know, I, what's the best, best view of it is, is that the thief has come in and taken a possession that wasn't his. I like that. I've been stolen by Jesus. Right out my sunroof. I don't have a sunroof. Well, I hope he's got that worked out. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Boom. Oh, sorry. <laughs> then you see another resurrection. Those who are saved through the great tribulation. In the conclusion of that, the Old Testament saints will receive their resurrection. That is at the point in time when Satan is cast into the abyss for a thousand years. Because if you look at the thousand-year kingdom, people ask me about it. What is it? It's a literal kingdom. Guess who's on the throne? David. No, not Jesus as David. David. So he's going to need a body. I'm betting it. 
then there's another resurrection. Remember, it's all in its own order. All in its own order. I've touched both texts. John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 29. Revelation 20 speaks of the great white throne judgment. It's the resurrection of the dead unto damnation. They will stand before Jesus Christ. And he will say, away from me, I never knew you. They will be thrown in the same place that Satan is thrown into. Lake of fire. They're given a resurrected body that can exist for eternity so it can withstand torment and torture for eternity. Paul is basically saying, that the Redeemer doesn't come out of the grave isolated. He is the guarantee of a harvest, a wondrous harvest that comes in four phases. That's that progressive planting. And that's what we need to be aware of. We should be looking to the resurrection. Okay? Instead of an airplane ride, just a plain air ride. I remember flying out of Memphis. I'd listened to Eric Alexander preach on the 11th chapter of Romans in his thick Scottish accent. And a hurricane had come through. I don't remember. This has been a number of years ago. But we had to fly around it, had to go south and then come back up north of it. And as I kept looking out my window, there's these huge clouds. I mean, bigger than I've ever seen. Just massive clouds. I mean, we were at uh, like 30,000 feet. And these clouds, you couldn't see the top of them. And the great big billy looked like cotton and all the rest of it. And I just had a cassette tape of Eric Alexander preaching that doxology at the end of eleven. Has known the mind of God. Who? And you're hearing that, and you're looking out the window, thinking, "Oh, <laughs> what can I have a plane wreck now?" <laughs> I mean, let's all just go. You know, like, I'll perch on that cloud right there. And yet, the, the daily grinds that you and I go through dealing with our children, grandkids, work. The, the, just the hassles of this life, the heartaches of this life, how quickly we can forget. He ain't in the ground, people. His body cannot be found. You got that? And that's the guarantee. There's coming a day when my body and your body will not be found. Will not be found. We're going to be in the clouds. We'll be in the clouds. Speaking with Scottish accents. <laughs> in Hebrew. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, um, a text such as this, I know I have absolutely no ability to teach. Father, and I have no ability for anyone to understand it. And yet, Father, uh, you have led me here. I have crossed this text. And those who are in Christ, in their own order, 
each receive a resurrected body. Father, help us to digest it. But Father, as we try to stretch our small brains around this, Father, help us to drink deep in the hope of you in the clouds. You in the clouds. Father, thank you for the guarantee. Thank you for the Redeemer. And Father, thank you for drawing us together as the redeemed. That should overwhelm us in every moment. Father, beginning with my heart, my poor, feeble heart, help me be overwhelmed with my Redeemer and the privilege of being redeemed. To your praise, to your glory, Christ's name. Amen.